Welcome back. We are happy to be here and excited for y'all to hear uh, about our new guest. Um, in the meantime, let me ask Miriam, ¿cómo estás? Now I'm the one tired. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm doing good. Um, I'm excited to be here having these conversations and I hope that everyone can enjoy them and, you know, take something very valuable out of this. Um, I agree. Yes. Are you okay, Ale? Are you um, doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm happy. Uh, a little tired still, uh, but yeah, it's gonna soon. Soon, I'm gonna be able to submit my dissertation, a defense proposal, and then we'll be done. Excellent. To rest. Yes. I look forward. Yes. I look forward for you <laughs> to be able to do that. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> it. But um, uh, we will have some very special guests with us. Uh, if you all don't mind introducing yourselves, tell us who you are, where you come from, and then we'll start from there. Hi, I'm Victoria. I am a first-year psychiatry resident um, with Texas Tech. I'm actually from El Paso. I was born and raised here. Uh, I'm Gowrie. I'm a third-year psychiatry resident. Um, I moved around a lot growing up, but my family's mostly in New Jersey. And, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit more about what got you into a psychiatry residency program at the border? So for me, um, I think growing up here, I had always noticed that there was a need for mental health in El Paso. Um, when I was applying to residency, I knew I wanted to stay here to kind of address that need here in El Paso. Um, so I think while Paso, I went to medical school in Las Cruces okay. at Burrell College of Osteopathic Medicine. So I was familiar with El Paso, and um, I really liked being here. I really liked the uh, border population. And then um, why psychiatry? I think I've always been interested in mental health. And uh, just going through you know, med the medical school rotations, like more and more, I realized like, this is for me. This is what I like, and I, I feel like I'm more good at so. Well, thank you. Well, yeah, thank, thanks for staying. I appreciate it. Um, we always uh, like how, when people who are not from El Paso come to visit us and then they decide to stay because they enjoy, you know, the way, uh, the style of living in the community. So I, at one point, I think I would like to be able to talk about that perspective that I'm sure you, you come in uh, with a different one, you know, having been living different places. But to touch on a little bit more on those needs that we're talking about and that we like to highlight in, in, these, in this podcast, uh, Victoria, you talked about understanding a need that the El Paso community has. Could you talk a little bit more about what you mean when you say, oh, I saw this need and I wanted to work on it? Yeah, um, I think just in my experiences in like medical school, even like in my personal life, just realizing that there is not enough mental health providers here in El Paso. Um, a lot of patients have to go several months before they can see someone. Um, there's a delay in care, um, and it just makes everything worse, pretty much. So, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think um, we've been talking about how there's just never enough help. There's always something that someone can do. Let's kind of shift in the strength of each perspective, right? Like there's room for people to continue supporting one another. 
And I think uh, that's something that as part of our episodes, I've been able to gather, especially where you're coming from and talking about how, yeah, I mean, obviously I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that there was a shift after COVID in terms of that need. Did did you all see that happen um, when COVID, before COVID and after COVID? I would say, I I would say maybe there was a shift to more like virtual medicine. Um, But I think virtual medicine also has its challenges, especially with mental health. But I don't know, did you notice? Yeah, well, I started residency right when COVID started. So I think it disrupted a lot of things in mental health and obviously it was harder to access services um and i mean i think there was a lot more issues like anxiety depression uh people not getting care so people with chronic illnesses like schizophrenia bipolar um being not getting you know their regular checkups and um treatment that they need so yeah I also remember around that time, uh, some of the conversations that were happening was many of the people who already had conditions or diagnosed or undiagnosed, like the isolation and like the lack of like contact really exacerbated a lot of these things. Um, And, you know, it it was becoming a crisis um, to a point where, you know, it was like, this is really getting out of hand. We are really overwhelmed already because of the pandemic and now we're also dealing with a mental health pandemic really then when we look at these important aspects in terms of you know looking at the el paso area you know we talked about how you're coming from a different background like different uh, environment what what was it that you noticed from the el paso community that was different from maybe other places Mm -hmm. that that you lived in yeah um that's an interesting question okay. i think um i mean i think a lot of positives and you know maybe not negatives but things that could um i guess barriers challenges that are unique here but um a lot of positives is people are so like kind and willing to help and supportive over each other like that whole you know people are in families and support families and um so that's the good um parts of it. And then the bad is um, um, there's lack of access here, like very few resources, few psychiatrists, few therapists, just everything mental health is lacking here. And then um, things like, you know, substance use, I think um, is, I'm not sure what the statistics are, but there um, is a lot of substance use here. And I think certain substances more here than other places. Um, what else? I think in some ways not well educated in mental health as well. Um, so maybe some stigma yeah. around yeah, mental so. health. Stigma, right. Stigma. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, language barriers. Yeah. Okay. Is that something similar to what you've observed? I mean, you have like yeah. a different perspective being born and raised here, yeah. like personal experience just growing up. And now that you're part of, you know, the mental health uh, yeah. professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think stigma is a really big part of it. Um, 
I don't know. I'm sure this is in other cultures too, but I think especially the Hispanic culture, there is more of a stigma mm-hmm. for mental health. But um, language is also a, a big part here because I think we're, we have like an 80% Hispanic population here. Mm-hmm. So majority of people here speak Spanish and a lot of them don't speak English. So you kind of have to provide um, care that is, I guess, culturally like geared towards the population here and it's it's hard sometimes yeah and then in that case you know we understand the this the struggles or maybe the barriers right to access these types of services so talk to us about your residency program how how are they addressing these issues what are some of the highlights what has been your experience there so far It's been good. It's been good so far. Um, I'm barely in my first year, but um, for me, it's it's been a lot of different kind of aspects of medicine, not just psychiatry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's also good to kind of get a well-rounded um, kind of view of medicine in general. But um, I think our program does really good about providing culturally, like emphasizing the importance of culturally competent care. Um, I think we also have a very diverse residency program. A lot of our residents um, come from different backgrounds. So I think that helps too. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I think I think it's a really strong program. I think we do get to see um, a lot of, you know, different um, mental health illnesses, learn how to deal with it. And I'm finishing up my third year and I feel pretty prepared, um, you know, finishing residency and going into the field um, yeah mm-hmm. working and we did expand the program and like to so it's eight residents now and then four residents in the trans mountain program um so they are uh trying you know to have more residents here more people training here and hopefully you know retaining recruiting um more psychiatrists to work in el paso so I guess, uh, what was, like, what are we doing to increase? Yeah, I think, uh, and Victoria answered it, it Mm -hmm. was, um, how are we ensuring that these issues that we're talking about, that the residency program is addressing them more or less? I'm not too Mm -hmm. sure if you had any other thoughts. Uh, Victoria mentioned about, what was it, multicultural? Yeah, lots of diversity, um, our residents. Um, I, yeah, I, I was just gonna say, I think, um, I think just having a training program here is a big step towards kind of addressing the shortage of mental health providers, because um, a lot of our residents do end up staying here, um, practicing here, or at least In the somewhere area. close by, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's pretty, I, well, I remember when, when, you know, the whole idea of the medical school opening up, it, mm-hmm. It was such a great thing for our community, and we're seeing it now with you all being here and providing us this information, and I think it allows people here in our community to understand that there's access to higher education within this specific field. Yeah, I think um, I was born and raised in Juarez, and then I moved here um, later, Um, and I think one of the 
prevailing conversations around that time was that you could potentially get educated here, but you had to leave. Like if, yeah. you, if you wanted a career, you had to leave. And so when you're talking about like being an asset, having the school here, because many stay, I think that's, that's so important. It's, and it's such a shift of what I remember hearing when I was, you know, back in school. Um, and so I, 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 I find that very, very hopeful um, because there is a lot of need in this community. And it, it's, it keeps growing. Like the community just keeps growing and expanding. And I think you touch on an important subject just because there were so many times where this is true, even within peers, um, we would hear people saying, like, you can't, you shouldn't stay in El Paso. Like, mm. there, there are no opportunities. And I think based on, I understand you all may have different experiences, but what would you say to those people who may be interested but may be hesitant to, you know, be part of this residency program? What are the benefits or what was your trajectory to understand, like, this is what I want to do? You did touch on it uh, a little bit in terms of, you know, there was that always that instinctual want um, to do it, but were there other factors that contributed to, to that decision for both of you? Well, I think if you want to stay here long term, I think it would make sense to train here because, um, you know, some of the things we discussed, like um, there are things unique to El Paso, like the culture, like the stigma and um, and the kind of mental illness you see here as well. And I think training here or uh, knowing what resources are available and training Mm -hmm. here makes you like much better psychiatrist working here and um, and yeah, and I think other positives um, of being here in El Paso. Um, well, obviously there's a huge need, and I think because of that, you can be very influential here and make yeah. changes, and um, and you you just feel good about the fact that you're, you know, doing good. I guess yeah. and making yeah, and you're part of a community. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Victoria? Yeah, no, I would say to anyone considering um, staying here, I would say, yeah, definitely stay. Um, I actually completed all of my education here in El Paso, so I think I'm glad that there's been a shift towards there being more opportunities here in El Paso. Um, And I think we have a very supportive community, not just in, in, like, our education, but I think just the community in general is very supportive the the patients the population everyone is always like rooting for you you know so it it feels really nice to say Mm -hmm. i think yeah yeah definitely before we we started the the episode i don't know i don't know if we've talked about this before but whenever we have hosts and or guests sorry and us as the host we then end up kind of trying to prep you trying to uh make you feel a little more comfortable and you talked about being wanting to cover something specific about the program, would you mind sharing what that is? Yeah, um, so I wanted to talk about how Texas Tech has a mentor program with um, different psychiatrists in the community. Actually, um, Project Viva is one of the one of our mentors. So um, I think just being able to collaborate with um, community partners makes us better psychiatrists and better providers. Mm-hmm. 
can you expand a little bit more about what that looks like? Like what what are the dynamics of the program? Like what do you need to do? Or and is it in all four years of the residency, or is it only one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we we have um, basically we're matched to a mentor here in the community. We we also have some input into who our mentor will be, and then. Um, the way that it's structured now, it should be all four years. Um, we'll be able to to ask them for advice, um, to just kind of go to them for support or questions, things like that that we might have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you both been already placed in your community mentors? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I, yeah. <laughs> hey, Percy's is rock. Yes, I know. Whoever wants to share first. <laughs> I have actually my um, my mentor is Dr. Garza with Project Vida, so um, she's been great. She's super supportive and awesome. Yeah. And there's different levels where we can look at why this is so important to have mentors, and not just have mentors, but have mentors that are kind of representative of the community, and. I understand the importance, right? You, you're connected to the people that you're going to end up serving. But what else is there? Why, why, do you, why did you say, you know, it's, it's important to have this connection with uh, the mentors and the work that they do? I mean, I think, um, and a lot of the mentors, I think, are Texas Tech graduates as well, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. And so it's just kind of having that guidance, um, especially after graduating and like, you know, where do you, where do you work? What are the different options? And also within residency, um, how to, I guess, approach patients, how to um, build your skills. um, And yeah, ultimately, how do you become a better psychiatrist? Yeah, yeah, but we're always looking for mentors for, you know, within the community, like psychiatrists, and mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I'm, yeah, I was gonna say like therapists, um, psychologists, but I don't know. So, for you to be a mentor, you just have to be a professional in a mental health field, or do you have to be a psychiatrist for you to be a mentor? I think, I think right now um, we just have psychiatrists, but okay, that's we're kind of still in the early stages mm-hmm. of the of the mentor program, so. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe in the future we'll expand to more professionals. Yeah. So what I understand is like um, the mentorship programs allows you to build community um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to kind of identify professionals in the field that are already placed around the community mm-hmm. and that can guide you when you graduate or even mm-hmm. during your residency. And um, it, they can also provide you probably with insight about mm-hmm. what does it look like yeah. when you're already serving in mm-hmm. the community, right? Like Because mm-hmm. even though you do have a level of... Um, experience while you're still on training i'm sure that when mm-hmm. you're already out in the field mm-hmm. you encounter yeah. different things mm-hmm. yeah. definitely i i'm curious to know because there's times growing up i remember saying oh i want to be a psychologist oh i want to be a therapist oh i want to be a psychiatrist like i think all those terms kind of merge with each other would you all be able to sep- like separate those three and, and help us understand what, what, how are they unique to each other? 
Um, and what would a what does a psychiatrist psychiatrist do? I think so. Um, I think that's a really good question because yeah. I think even sometimes we struggle to yeah. know the differences. And as a psychiatrist, we're physicians, so we go mm-hmm. through medical school. And after medical school, we do a psychiatry training for four years. Um, after that, sometimes we do fellowships, so sub specializing in like addiction, child psychiatry, um, forensics, and then. Um, so yeah, it's like kind of a, so that's our training. Mm-hmm. Um, I think psychologists uh, do a PhD. Um, okay. And so, and yeah, that's as far as I know. And therapists, um, I know there's different types of therapists, right? Like um, some of them are licensed professional counselors. Yeah. So that would be like a separate program. Um, I think some of them get master's degrees. Um, maybe even doctorate, but yeah, I think it varies. Yeah. yeah. And so the scope of work, um, since psychiatrists go for medical school, then you are um, able to prescribe medication, mm-hmm. right, for the treatment yeah. of mental health disorders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right, yeah, we mostly, um, well, I mean, I think it depends on the psychiatrist as well. Some psychiatrists only do medications. Mm-hmm. Um, some psychiatrists really enjoy therapy, and, and that's part of our training as well, to be able to do that. Um, and some, like, a mix of both. And, and now we do have more interventions, like um, ECT, TMS, um, like different ways of treating beyond just medications that we can also use and Quick question: What what were those acronyms you just said? <laughs> um, so ECT is electroconvulsive therapy, okay. um, and basically uh, it's a treatment in which you um, have the patient um, under anesthesia and then deliver um, like an electric shock, but controlled um, okay. to treat things like treatment resistant depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and then TMS is transmagnetic stimulation. And then that's, uh, again, another kind of um, treatment where you use magnets to um, stimulate parts of the brain that's involved for treatment-resistant depression or there are multiple other um, indications for that as well. I don't know if that I, I, hope, I, hope, I hope you all don't feel like I'm testing you. I'm like, you this. No, yeah. tell me this. Um, I just, um, this is all very interesting. Yeah. And it sounds uh, like there's just so many different layers to psychiatry mm-hmm. that it just really depends on what are your interests. So, with that, what are your interests? What would you like to be able to do once you finish your residency i understand you may be maybe your first year right you mentioned so maybe it's going to change but at the end of all of this what would you like to to get out of this experience yeah so uh, i still haven't decided yet if i'm going to do a fellowship (laughs) but some of the ones that i'm considering are um, child and adolescent psychiatry we um, them. I know <laughs> we really do. Yeah. We really do. Um, addiction psychiatry is also really interesting to me. Also, a lot of need. Yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, still haven't decided yet. Um, I'm considering staying here in El Paso after residency as well. Just um, maybe opening up a private practice nice. and yeah, seeing patients here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I'm interested in addiction psychiatry right now, and so that's what I'm trying to figure out, um, applying to fellowships and things like that. But I think um, I'm also open to just start working, and I, I want to do academia. Okay. Um, so working with residents, mm-hmm. working with medical students. So, But, yeah, still haven't figured out everything. Um, but those are my thoughts. When <laughs> you work in academia... You don't see patients, or do you do no, see you patients? No, okay. you do. Yeah, you do. And depending on where you are, um, sometimes you're just supervising, and sometimes you are directly oh, treating okay. patients. Oh, that sounds so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, both of y'all's as well sound really interesting. You all mentioned a fellowship, and mm-hmm. I, you you were a little sheepish when you were like, I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to take it. What, yeah. why, what is that fellowship? So, Based on my very general understanding, yeah. it's like, you know, med school residency. And from what I understood, that would be it. But it sounds like there's yeah. more. There's this yeah. fellowship. So what, what is that? And how long is it? Is that more of a specialization? Just learning yeah. more about it. Yeah, so um, fellowship would be after residency. There's different kinds of fellowships um, for psychiatry, for any specialty, really. Um, for psychiatry, just some of the ones I can think of are like child and adolescent psychiatry, addiction, um, geriatric, mm-hmm. there's like sleep medicine, um, forensic. forensic psychiatry, yeah. um, and they, they range from, I want to say maybe one to three years. For fellowship? fellowship. Okay. Uh, yeah. Maybe. It, it mm-hmm. depends on the fellowship. Um, but yeah, it's it's additional training in that field, basically. So once you're out in the community, you have that extra training. And I think, um, you know, I feel like we get pretty good exposure mm-hmm. here and pretty good training. Um, so at least I feel pretty comfortable doing a lot of things um, without, I mean, that's the question, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want to um, go through extra training, or do you want to start working right away and being in the population, in the community? And um, yeah. I assume there is value for both mm-hmm. because, on the one hand, you know, there's something really valuable about getting firsthand mm-hmm. experience when you're working, um, but also, you know, still being in a guided space where you can still learn has its benefits as well. Um. I just think it's a lot and I'm very impressed by all the things that y'all are talking about Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, to start kind of wrapping it up and um, knowing a little bit just I guess I'm more curious what um, you mentioned some of like your interest could you talk to us more about that specific interest? You started talking about like the the acronyms, and that's why I asked. And oh. like, okay. do you do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I believe like, it was when you mentioned that you were interested in substance yes, use. Yes, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Talk a little bit more about addiction. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, so I I think addiction is really interesting. I think um, we have fairly good treatments for it um and i think also um uh you know it's something that's needed um and i think 
there's more substance use is more and more on the rise in this country. Um, so those are some of the reasons I really enjoy it. And I think I just like working with that um, patient population mm -hmm. as well. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, no, I just, I think it's interesting to know the experiences of those that come to our table mm -hmm. and the, the things that they want to do for their community. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, for example, we covered uh, substance use in a, in a previous episode. And so I think this ties very well with it, right? The supports that are out there in the community. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. How about you? <laughs> Don't drink your water. <laughs> um, so I, I'm considering uh, child and adolescent psychiatry. Um, I don't. I think that's such an important part of a person's life. Um, there's been tons of research on how your experiences in childhood affect mental health, um, mm -hmm. affect you into adulthood. Um, so I think just trying to make a difference in that point in someone's life can really like change the kind of like trajectory of their life in the future. Um, so that's, I think that's what draws me to child and adolescent psychiatry. Um, I think kids are also just really cute and <laughs> funny and yeah. They are really cute. Yeah. The other day I um, just kid, like, yeah, my, I have a, a young nephew of four years old and um, he came up to me, he was like, hi, my name is Andre, do you remember me? Because I hadn't seen him in two days. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know. Let me think about it. It sounds, it rings a bell, I but know. I'm not sure. So it's just when you said kids are cute, I just immediately thought about that. <laughs> but thank you so much for you all sharing, you know, all these pieces of knowledge that you all bring with you. Is there anything that you all would like to mention or even Miriam, something that we haven't covered here? Just thank you for having us. Yeah. <laughs> of course, we're really glad to have so these conversations yeah. and kind of shedding light of what is going on in our community. Um, we hope that you stay here and that you know we bump it out there in the in life later. <laughs> um, thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. and. Thank you to the audience, to our community who is listening to us. We really appreciate it. And we hope to see you in the next episode. Thank you, everyone. See ya. Thank you.